الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا أدوان إلا على الظالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين ومن اقتدى بسنته إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Bidni Lai Ta'ala will conclude uh, our series on uh, uh, the book of fasting from the Tal-Ahkam, the Shaykh Al-Maqdasi Rahimullah. And uh, today, inshallah, Bidni Lai, we deal with uh, three narrations pertaining to the first two, pertaining to making up of. Uh, uh, an individual's or compensating for an individual who um, died without making or fulfilling the fast that they owe. And the final hadith will be regarding hastening to breaking fast. Wabillahi tawfiq. Fan Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal من مات وعليه سيام صام عنه وليه وأخرجه أبو داود وقال هذا في النظر وهو قول أحمد بن حنبل رحمهم الله تعالى. And that is that <coughs> the hadith of Aisha رضي الله تعالى عنها أم المؤمنين. She said that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam He said that whoever dies while they still owe a fast Then their relatives should make it up for them Their relatives should make it up for them Or fast on their behalf Fast on their behalf Regarding this hadith, there are a few issues that we'll deal with. The first of those is the Tarjama Turrawi, the biography of the narrator who is Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. We've gone through many narrations in this uh, book of fasting from Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, as she was the one who was best at describing uh, the affairs of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, especially those affairs that were in his household Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We've described her and and uh, gone through her biography, so we won't return and do that again. Point number two is the Mawdur al-Hadith. The title, or best befitting title that we can give to this Hadith, and Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And that is that حكم القضاء الصوم الواجب على الميت عنه. And that is the ruling of fasting on the behalf of someone who owed an obligatory fast. And yani somebody who died and owed an obligatory fast. The ruling of me- of uh, um, compensating or fasting on behalf of 
a deceased who owed an obligatory fast. This is the title, various titles that we can give to this uh, hadith and Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. Point number three, in this hadith, Aisha radiallahu anha, um, قالت أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أمر ولي من مات وفي ذمته صوم مفروض and that is that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam uh, has commanded that the one who has died his uh, or hers family or relatives should uh, compensate or make up or fast on behalf of the deceased in those farts that are mafrood those fasts that are obligatory from vows or those fasts that they had to make up in the month of Ramadan. This is the general meaning of this hadith. And in this hadith, the word in waliyuhu, waliyuhu here, it means relatives. Yani, some of the ulama have mentioned that that which is intended here are those who are in the inheritance, muarith. They are part of the inheritance meaning the son, the daughter, the ashiqa, the brothers and sisters, the mother, the father of the deceased. They are part of the inheritance, meaning that they will have a portion depending on their status in the lineage. They will have a portion of the deceased's inheritance. So therefore it is from good, from courtesy and good manners and good treatment of your deceased relative that you make up and fast on behalf of them for those affairs or those fasts that they um, owed whilst they were alive now point number three and that is that in this statement here or this uh, chapter or portion of this uh, Umratul Ahkam, the Mu'allif, the author, Rahimullah, he mentions Akhrajuhu Abu Dawood, that is, Barakallahu Fikum, collected in the Sunan of Abu Dawood. And he says that, And that is Abu Dawood, he said that this is for vows, that this hadith is specifically for vows. And it's a qawl statement of Imam Ahmed, Rahimullah Ta'ala. That which the Talib al-ilm, the student of knowledge, can uh, assume and understand from this is that there is khilaf. There are various opinions as it relates to this. So the author has mentioned this to show his opinion. And that is that he believes that this hadith is specifically for vows that an individual has made, that they would fast, and they died before fulfilling that and this is him the author expressing his opinion which is why he's added that here in this portion of the hadith and yes he's correct that there are differences of opinion between the scholars as relates to this but the correct opinion no doubt is that um, it is permissible to fast on behalf of somebody who is old fast in Ramadan and other than Ramadan and the reason is that in this hadith the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said man mata wa alayhi siyamun 
whoever dies and they owe a fast. This is a general statement here, Siyamun. And that is general, meaning it incorporates all types of fasts, wherever the fast is, the making up of the fast in Ramadan, or the kafara, the compensation, or the nadar, or a vow, meaning that an individual has said, if, if, if I get this and this, I will fast. I will fast for Allah. And they make a vow that they will fast. And it is now obligatory for them to make up that fast or to fulfill that vow. So all of these are incorporated as to uh, what here the Messenger Sallallahu mentioned, that the relatives and those who are partake in the inheritance of the deceased, that they should, that they should um, fast on their behalf. And that's for all fasts. Here, the, the author of this Umrat al-Ahkam, Al-Maqdis Rahimullah Ta'ala Abdul he is alluding that he's of the opinion that is for vows alone. Hence his statement, وَأَخْرَجُهُ Abu Dawood. He's mentioned Abu Dawood, and no doubt his book is, is specifically regarding the narrations in Bukhari and Muslim. But he's mentioned here Abu Dawood from the Sunan, the Sunan of Abu Dawood. وَقَالْ هَذَا فِي النَّذْرِ And this is for بَارَكَلَّهُ فِيكُمْ فِي النَّذْرِ And that's for uh, vows specifically. And it is a قَوْل of Ahmed ibn Hanbal. وَهُوَ قَوْلٌ وَقَوْلُ أَحْمَدِ بِنْ حَبُّ يعني is an opinion that Imam Ahmed he held and there are many uh, statements of Imam Ahmed in that regard. But the correct opinion, بَارَكَلَّهُ فِيكُمْ is that it incorporates all types of obligatory fast. And this is the mawqif of uh, Imam Shafi'i rahimullah, and likewise uh, Al-Alama Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen rahimullah ta'ala Point number four and that is benefits that we can take from this hadith general benefits that we can take from this hadith the first is Amr al-Qareeb bi qadai sawm al-wajib ala qareebihi idha mata qabla fi'li and that is that is a command here from the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for the relatives of the deceased to um, <clears throat> fast on behalf or make up or compensate the fast of the, the Barakalafikum, the deceased, if they owe it. And the ulama have mentioned that they have a choice either to feed uh, for every day uh, the individual older fast or they can fast. And Barakallahu uh, Fikum, this is uh, uh, mentioned by Ahlul Ilm, and also that they can have sick. For example, if the individual he um, he the the deceased owes uh, thirty days, thirty family members can fast one day each. First, thirty family members can fast one day each, or they can feed uh, a poor person for every day that uh, the deceased owed in fasting. And this is uh, the choice. And the second portion of this first benefit, the Amr al-Qareeb, the Qadai al-Sawm, the command of the Messenger وسلم, for the relatives to fast on the behalf of the deceased. And this is a command of istihbab. 
This is a command of istihbab. Amrul istihbab. It is not a command of obligation. It's a command of that which is recommended. Meaning that if the family members do not fast on behalf of the deceased, they are not sinning. As we know, the definition of al-istihbab is, or the result, rather, we can say, of al-istihbab, or that which is preferred, and that is that the one who does it gets a reward, but the one that doesn't do it does not get a sin or deserve punishment. Now, and this is the situation here. This is from the affairs that it's recommended that one should do. And that is to make up or uh, fast on behalf of the deceased. And the proof of this, no doubt, is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَلَا تَزِرُوا وَازِرَةٌ وَزْرَ And that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Fatir that none should bear the burden or sin of another. So we cannot say, Barakallahu Fikum, that if the relatives do not fast on behalf of the deceased, that they are sinning. But no doubt, this is from Ihsan. This is from excellent treatment, and it's from good. And they will get ajr. And this is, Barakallahu Fikum, especially for the parents. It's from Bir Lil Walidain. It's part of being righteous to your parents, that if they older fast, as we'll see in the up-and-coming hadith, inshallah, that it is no doubt... Uh, uh, highly recommended that the individual makes up the fast. It's from good uh, righteousness and good deed that the individual is indeed uh, implementing. The second benefit that we can take from this uh, hadith, Barakallahu Fikum, and that is that uh, that which it, this hadith incorporates is all obligatory fasts. This is clear from the text. As we mentioned previously that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he said, Man mata wa alayhi siyamun. Whoever fasts, whoever dies, and there upon them is a fast, yani obligatory upon them, wa alayhi. Wa alayhi means obligatory, it's upon them. Siyam, the person who died, they had an obligatory fast that they were supposed to have done. And they didn't do it, and then they died this is a general obligatory fast, meaning any types of fast, barakalafikum, from the fast of uh, 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 Ramadan, or barakalafikum, fasts of a vow, or fasts of compensation, as in kafara, and all of this is incorporated in this hadith, in this one sentence. The next benefit that we can take from this hadith. And that is that Al-Qareeb la yuqdi sawma tatawwa'an maytihi Al-Qareeb la yuqdi sawma tatawwa'an maytihi And that is that the relative, they do not make up the non-obligatory fasts. Because the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he specified Wa'alayhi and upon him, meaning obligatory upon him. So therefore, from this we can extrapolate that if an individual didn't fast on the Yom Arafah, for example, or didn't fast on Mondays and Thursdays, or didn't fast in Ashura, or didn't fast in 
the non-obligatory fast, then it is not permissible and legislated for one to say, I'm fasting for my deceased relative on behalf of my deceased relative, Yom Arafah. La'a. The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he categorically said, Man Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Man Mata Wa Alayhi Siyam. Whoever fasts and upon them, yani it's, a, it's a fast that is upon them, obligatory, mandatory. So therefore this excludes non-mandatory fasts as it relates to um, fasting on behalf of the deceased now. After this we move on to the next hadith, the second hadith of today, hadith of thamin the eighth hadith. وَهُوَ عَنْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ إِبْنَ عَبَاسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا قَالَ جَاءَ رَجُلٌ إِلَى نَبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَقَالَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ إِنَّ أُمِّي مَاتَتْ وَعَلَيْهَا صَوْمُ شَهْرٍ أَفَأَقْضِيهُ وَأَقْضِيهِ عَنْهَا فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لَوْ كَانَ عَلَى أُمِّكِ وَأُمِّكَ دَيْنٌ أَكُنْتَ قَادِيَهُ عَنْهَا قَالَ نَعْمْ قَالَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ فَدَيْنُ اللَّهِ أَحَقُّ أَنْ يُقْضَى وَفِي رِوَاءَ أَنْ يُوَدَّى نعم And that is that Abdullah ibn Abbas رضي الله تعالى عنهما He said that the messenger that a man came to the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم And he said that my mother has died whilst she owed a month's fast should I complete them or fast on her behalf? And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, would you not pay the debt if your mother had a debt before she died or after she died? Would you not pay the debt for her on her behalf? And the man responded and he said, yes. And then he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, said that the debt owed to Allah is more deserved to be paid. The debt owed to Allah is more deserving to be paid. And in another narration, again in Bukhari Muslim, عن ابن عباس رضي الله تعالى عنهما جاءت يعني قال جاءت امرأة إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقالت يا رسول الله إن أمي ماتت عليها صوم النظر أَفَأَصُومَ عَنْهَا فَقَالَ أَرَأَيْتَ لَوْ كَانَ عَلَيْهِ عَلَى أُمِّكِ دَيْنٌ قَدَيْتِهِ أَكَانَ ذَلِكَ يُؤَدَّ عَنْهَا قَالَ نَعْمْ قَالَ فَسُومِي عَنْ أُمِّكِ And that is that a woman came to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam and she said that my mother has died, or she died, uh, whilst owing a fast of nadr, yani a vow that she made to fast. Shall I fast on her behalf? 
that this woman came to the Messenger وسلم, and said that my mother died whilst owing a fast of vows. Shall I fast on her behalf? And then the Messenger وسلم, he said, you see that if your mother had died in debt, would it not have been paid for her? And she said, the woman said yes. And then the Messenger وسلم, replied and he said to her, so fast on behalf of your mother, Fasumi and Ummaki, fast on behalf of your mother. These two narrations are considered in the same chapter, in the same bab, dealing with the same topic. So it's collected as one portion of this book of fasting uh, from Umrah al Ahkam. Regarding this, we'll deal with a few points. The first point is the Rawi of the Hadith. The narrator of the hadith is Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma. It's the first time we've dealt with a narration with Abdullah ibn Abbas. So we'll talk about his tarjama and his biography radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma. And his name is Abdullah ibn Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Qurashi al-Hashimi radiyallahu anhu. That's Abdullah Ibn Abbas, Ibn Abdul Muttalib al-Qurashi, al-Hashimi, radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma. And he is the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam loved him so much. And that he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, uh, as uh, Abdullah ibn Abbas mentioned himself, dhammani Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam brought him close to him, and hugged him and and put his hand on his show, shoulder and he said Allahumma allimhu al-hikmah and that is that the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said oh Allah teach him wisdom faqihu fi al-din wa allimhu ta'wil in another narration <coughs> He sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said give him fiqh and understanding of the religion and teach him the tafsir of the Quran and no doubt this dua was accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this dua of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam for this companion Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhu in that he became one of the most knowledgeable of the companions radiyallahu anhu so much so that Umar ibn Khattab Khalifa al-Rashid, he would ask Abdullah ibn Abbas for his opinion in many affairs. And he is from the Turjaman al-Quran, as Abdullah ibn Mas'udin radiyallahu ta'ala anhu mentioned regarding him. It's from those who had the knowledge of the verses when it was revealed and the meanings it pertains and the rulings extrapolated from these verses, which is why you find in the books of tafsir, a lot of uh, uh, tafsir and, and, and uh, explanations coming from <coughs> Abdullah ibn Abbas There's a madrasa of Abdullah ibn Abbas, a school which takharraj and graduated from that school as, as uh, per se, uh, many uh, of the salaf and the tabi'in and he radiyallahu ta'ala anhu was very respected amongst the companions. And Umar ibn Khattab 
radiyallahu ta'ala anhu amir mu'minin he said thalikum fata al-kawul lahu lisanun su'ul wa qalbun uqul and that he said regarding Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma he said that he is young but mature because he is one from the youngest of the companions radiyallahu anhuma Abdullah ibn Abbas he said he is young but mature and he has lisan that is sa'ul. Yani he asks questions. He's inquisitive. He's a seeker of, the, of knowledge. He's a seeker of knowledge. وَقَلْبَ And he has a heart that conceptualizes. He understands. He has fiqh. And this is the characteristic that the talib ilm has to have and the student of knowledge has to have. And that is that he must be inquisitive to know the truth. And that meaning that he's asking beneficial questions, she asks beneficial questions in order to understand. And this was the characteristic of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu ta'ala anhuma. And likewise, a heart that conceptualizes, because that's where the intellect is and that is in the heart. And that is the heart is where the intellect is. لَهُمْ قُلُوبٌ لَيَفْقَهُونَ بِهَا As Allah subhanahu ta'ala, he said in the Quran regarding the, the kuffar, that they have a heart that they do not have understanding in. There's no fiqh. There's no understanding in the heart. Which means the importance of conditioning the heart. In order to consume and be this we are. And this container that welcomes knowledge. And this was the state of Abdullah ibn Abbas. And no doubt the Sahaba. Ajma'een, as Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. He said. That the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that they were the most righteous and pious of hearts in this ummah. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he chose them these companions to be from those uh, these individuals to be from the companions of the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this companion here abdullah ibn abbas was from the ulama and scholars and he was younger age when he took knowledge of them from the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam when the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam rather died uh, abdullah ibn abbas was 13 years old so if you can imagine that he died, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and Abdullah ibn Abbas was 13 years old. Well, he narrated enough narrations from the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but a lot of his narrations also was from other companions, riwayat al-Sahabi and Sahabi in Akhar. He's, a lot of his narrations were from other companions, because as, as mentioned here, he uh, died at the age of 30. Uh, when the Messenger وسلم, died, he was at the age of 13. Now, Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. The ulama anhuma. The ulama they differed as to the age that he died. Some say that he died in the year uh, 70. Some say that he died in the year 68. Some say that he died in the year 65. There's difference of opinion amongst the historians. As to when he died, radiyallahu anhuma, but there is a consensus that he died in Taif. There is a consensus that he died in the mountainous 
city of At-Ta'if Nam, as we know Ta'if here in Saudiya. So he lived عنهما, a long life, calling to the Sunnah and calling to the Deen and Islam and Sunnah. And many narrations and explanations are taken from the statements of this illustrious companion. Back to the hadith, the next point as it relates to this hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas regarding uh, the fasting on behalf of one's mother, specifically mentioned here in this hadith, we have a unwan. The next point is the title of this hadith, and that's Hukm Sawm and Al Mayyit, and that is the ruling of uh, making or fasting on behalf of the deceased. And here's uh, in this narration another another is mentioned. Yani making up the fast of a vow is mentioned in the second hadith, and uh, the first had the first portion of the hadith is in fact more general. So we can say general title will be Hukm Qada Asom and Il Mayt, and the the ruling of uh, fasting on behalf of the deceased. And that's point number two in this hadith. Point number three. And that is that in these narrations we have some mubhamat. We have some names that are not mentioned. In the first portion of the hadith, Ja'a Rajulun, a man came. And in the second, he says in another narration, Ja'at Imra'atun. So we have some individuals in this narration that we don't know who they are. As for the first portion of the hadith, Ja'a Rajulun, that a man came, the ulama of hadith have not identified the name of this man, Radiyallahu Anhu. Because he's a companion. He's a companion and he met the Messenger وسلم, And he his name is unknown. His name is unknown. And neither is the name of his mother that died. We do not know her name. I know that she was a believer. As the Messenger وسلم, as we can see from this hadith, that the Messenger وسلم, uh, encouraged him to make up the fast for or fast on behalf of his mother. We don't know the name of the mother here. As for the second hadith portion here in another narration you have there in front of you with Wafiri Wayatin. The woman here, some of the ulama have mentioned her name. There's been different statements as to her name. Some of them have said that her name is uh, Nam. That her name is Ghathiya. Ghathiya. Oh, Ghayatha. So it's Ghayatha. Oh, Ghathiya. And those two have been mentioned, Barakallah Fikum, by Ibn Tahir. That's the name. Ghayatha. Oh, Ghayatha. Oh, Ghathiya. Ghayatha. Oh, Ghayatha. And Hafiz ibn Hajar al-Skalani rahimullah And also is mentioned in Usud al-Ghaba And uh, in Isaba as well In Fatubari 
uh, Ibn Athir al-Saba and Fatubari and al-Saba is by uh, uh, Ibn Hajar. He says, Ghathina. Ghathina. Oh, Ghayana. So do you consider about four different statements mentioned by the ulama as to who this woman was that came to the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam regarding making up or uh, fasting on behalf of her mother but as for her mother's name we don't know we don't know the mother's name but we have information from the ulama of hadith and the historians that her name is either Ghayitha or Ghathiya or Ghayana or Ghathina. Naam. After this we move on to the next point as it relates to this hadith. And that is the benefits that we can take from this hadith. Both portions of this hadith. The first benefit is Hirsu Sahaba radiyallahu anhum ala al-ilm. The urgency that the Sahaba had and enthusiasm that they had in seeking knowledge. Clearly, the first example is by a man. And the second example is a woman. Showing that the male and female companions of the Messenger wasallam, all of them had hirs and urgency in seeking knowledge. And having basira and having insight as it relates to their religion and their servitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second benefit that we can take from this is Jawaz Qada'il Sawm Al-Wajib Al-Mayyit And that is the permissibility of fasting on behalf of the deceased for a fast that is obligatory No doubt here, another um, vow is mentioned here specifically But this is an example This is an example But we have the previous hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha and likewise, the first portion of this hadith here of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiyallahu anhuma, that shows obligatory fast in general. Obligatory fast in general. So mushahar. So mushahar, a month's fast. It could be for any particular reason, any particular obligation. It could be the fast of Ramadan for a month. Or they made a vow and said, I vow to fast for a month. These is are all, or these are all incorporated. These are all incorporated in this hadith. So it shows the permissibility of fasting on behalf of the deceased uh, in a fast that is obligatory. Number three, and that's husnul ta'lim in Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that is the excellence in the teaching of the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that is no doubt the Messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam used questioning in uh, in in teaching the Sahaba. And that's from the statement where he said, Lokana ala ummik dainun akunta qadiyahu anha. If your mother had a debt, would you have fulfilled that debt and paid that debt for her? Questioning is a form of educating. Husnul ta'lim is from the excellence of the teaching and educating of the Messenger. And no doubt this is an usloop that we find. Uh, uh, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has used in various places Atadrima haqqullahi ala al-ibad wa haqqul ibadi ala Allah in the hadith of Ma'ad radiyallahu anhu in the hadith which is sahih that Ma'ad was 
riding in a, in a beast behind the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Mu'adh radiyallahu an do you know the rights of uh, Allah upon the servants and that of the servants uh, for Allah from Allah and then he mentioned and you worship him alone and don't associate partners with him subhanahu wa ta'ala from the rights of Allah upon his slaves and servants asking a question to educate and this was from the uslub of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam not patronizing questions but questions that would have allowed the individual to reflect and barakallahu feekum get ready mentally ready to consume the answer and this is how the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam educated his companions and again this is connected to number four which is the fourth benefit that we can take this, from this hadith. And that is again, it's husn ta'aleem of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The excellent or excellence in teaching of the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In that he gave an example, a tangible example to the sahaba radiyallahu an, or anhuma for them to understand the qadiyya. For them to understand the situation more. And that is he brought the example of a debt, any money owed. If your mother owed money, would you pay on her behalf? If your mother had a debt, would it be paid for her in the other narration? So the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Darabal Amthal al And that is that he brought examples that are tangible, that one can actually relate to. In order for them to understand what tanjali biha al ahkam, and that the ruling would become clearer, or the rulings would become clearer for them. And again, this is the uslub of the Messenger, وسلم, the best teacher. And that is by making it relative to them so they can understand. Point number five, again, connected to point number four in some way, and that is that in this hadith is the dalil al qiyas. And in this hadith is a proof of the use or the, the affair of analogy being a mode of proof that can be used. And this is mentioned no doubt by Imam Ahmed uh, ta'ala, where he said the adilla, the proofs are the Quran and the Sunnah. Wa al the Quran wa Sunnah wal ijma wal qiyas in the darura. And that he said in his madhab. Imam Ahmed, rahimullah, that it's the, the proofs that we go back to or that we, we focus on is the Quran and the Sunnah, no doubt. These are the two fundamental proofs, the Quran and Surah, qala Allah, qala Rasul. And third is ijma', the consensus of the ulama, the consensus, starting from the Sahaba, radiyallahu ta'ala anhum, that which they agreed upon, is a proof evidence. And number four, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that his ummah would not come together upon deviance. So the consensus is a proof. And the fourth is, he mentioned Imam Ahmed rahimullah, is al-qiyas in the durura. And that is qiyas, analogy, in its need, when it's needed. Meaning that the first port is Quran, the sunnah, consensus, and then qiyas if needed. Here is a proof of qiyas. Qiyas meaning analogy. 
The Messenger وسلم, used an analogy here in this hadith. And this is a proof for this and a refutation against the Zahiriyyah from those who negate Qiyas. The Messenger used it here. So for us to understand how the Messenger وسلم, used it, we need to understand what Qiyas is. What is Qiyas? What's the definition of Qiyas? So in the portion of this benefit here, we will now look at the definition of Qiyas analogy as it relates to the Sharia, the legislation. And Al-Qiyas huwa ilhaqu hukm al-asli bil-far'i li-illatin jami'atin baynahuma. Ilhaqu hukmi al-asli bil-far'i and that is connecting the ruling of an initial affair with a branching affair using a reason or cause that they both agree on. A bit tongue twisting, I repeat. That is ilhaq, connecting an affair. For example, we have barakallahu fikum alcohol, and then we have marijuana, hashish. We say we make the qiyas that marijuana is haram. With the analogy to alcohol. This is analogy. Because. Hashish and marijuana. Are not mentioned. Word for word. In the Quran. And the Sunnah. But in Qiyas it is. Meaning that. We look at the asl. The origin is alcohol. This is the origin. So we connect hashish to alcohol. With our same ruling. So they have the same ruling because that ruling is this haram. Huh? With a reason that they both have. And that is intoxication. So the illa is that they both intoxicate. So they agree in that reason or uh, component. And that's what makes this analogy correct. So therefore, the impermissibility of drinking alcohol, that which falls under it, is the impermissibility of drugs and hashish and the rest. And that's because it intoxicates. It changes the state of the mind. So this is the illa. So again, the definition. Joining the origin, and that is alcohol, with the branching new entity and just combining them together and having and sharing the ruling with a root with a, a cause or re, a reason that they both agree on or have the same uh, component or the component or the reason behind and entities that they do have are equal are the same you can say the entities are equal and are the same 
That's a qiyas that is permissible. And that is correct. But we have qiyas analogy that people make that are incorrect. And from that is the analogy that the Sufis, they make with the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So they say that the Sahaba, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, used to take blessings from the wudu of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The wudu of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So then they say, the Sufis, they say that a Sufi sheikh, his student, his marid, can take from his wudu and get blessings. So they make that, they use this analogy. And that analogy is incorrect. It's an analogy of two different, different entities. There's no entity that they, that, that they are the same in. Meaning, your sheikh and the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam are not the same. The Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is Mubarak. He is blessed. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala has told us that. He's Rasulullah. He's the Messenger of Allah. Sayyidi Walid Adam Ajma'een. The best of the sons of Adam. But you're a shaitan probably. Evil. Calling to Sufiya. Calling to grave worshipping. So... There is no link between you and the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for this, that which the Sahaba did to the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to do to you. And when I say shaitan, I mean, as the ulama have mentioned, that whoever opposes Allah and His Messenger and calls to deviance is a shaitan, as Ibn Uthaymin, Rahimullah Ta'ala mentioned. The shaitana, it comes from the verb shaitana, which is evil. Mutashaitin, yatashaitan, showing evil, and that's in calling the people to worship graves is evil. So your analogy, this analogy is false. But we mentioned the analogy of alcohol and marijuana. That analogy is established because they share something, and that which they share is that they intoxicate. But as for the Sufi and Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, they do not share. He's the messenger of Allah. You're not. He's Khalilullah, the close one to Allah, Thabit established, you're not. He's the best of creation, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you're not. Allah revealed to him, he didn't reveal to you. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We've been commanded to follow him, we haven't been commanded to follow you. And so on and so on. So there, that qiyas is invalid. Now we've understood the issue of qiyas. Let's go back to the hadith. And that is here the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He made an analogy. Regarding that which the, barakallahu feekum, uh, the parent owed, mother owed in her fast. So we say, the affair that he is making analogy with sallallahu alaihi wasallam is if he owed the parent owed money if they owed money so they owe owing money and owing fast if they owed money would you pay for it if they were in debt would you pay the debt and they said yes 
So therefore the Prophet ﷺ said, then fast for your, on behalf of your mother, fasumi and ummiki. So break fast, or uh, make up the fast, or fast on behalf of your mother. So where's the analogy here? And that is owing money, debt. Owing fast, you owe. Both of them are owed. This is the connecting reason that they're both owed. So the Messenger وسلم, has used Qiyas in this hadith. They are both owed, so you pay this one and you pay that. There's a reason and cause that connects these two affairs. So this is the Messenger وسلم, using Qiyas analogy. And that's why we have to be careful. Make sure that the analogy have the same components. They have the same two analogies. If you make an analogy with something else, it has to have the same component. You don't make an analogy with alcohol and water. You don't make an analogy of husband and wife. Because the husband has his, his, uh, his role and the woman has her role. You cannot compare. Which is why Ibn Qayyim rahimullah ta'ala said that the majority of evil that occurs and the majority of divorce that occurs is due to al-qiyas al-fasid. It's making false analogies. And it causes problems and evil. And the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has taught us how to make an analogy. And that is that the components have to have the same entities that links them. That link them. And this here is that you owe something. So if you owe something, you pay for it. So like you owe money, you pay. You owe fasting, it's paid. By it being made up. Or... Fasted or done in be- on behalf of the dead, deceased. Now, and this shows you this amazing hadith of the Messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that from the benefits is that it shows the proof and legislation of al-qiyas and it's shari, dalil shari. It's a form of evidence and proof used, which is a refutation against the zahiriya. Now, and finally, the final benefit that we're going to mention today, and that is that the day of Allah. And that is the debt owed to Allah is more so important that it is paid than the debt owed to the creation. And that is taken from this hadith. The ulama they differed. The scholars they differed. But this hadith is a proof that that which is owed to Allah takes precedence over that which is owed to other than Allah from the creation. And why? Because the Prophet ﷺ, he says, And the debt owed to Allah is more so important to be paid. And here it's fasting, the obligation of fasting. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated. And likewise as zakat is mentioned in that regard as well. Now, and with this barakallahu feekum, we conclude this uh, hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas, which is reported in uh, Bukhari and Muslim. The first hadith for your benefit is recorded in Bukhari and it's recorded in Muslim ta'liqan 
in a suspended chain, but is no doubt authentic, no doubt based upon the conditions of Muslim uh, al-Bukhari in mentioning this hadith. And the second hadith is narrated in Bukhari and Muslim Naam. And with this we conclude today's lesson. I believe it's sufficient, inshallah. And we conclude our series as it relates to the book of fasting. As uh, barakallahu feekum, the month has ended. And bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, uh, next week, inshallah, there will be um, an exam on an application which uh, our brother Abdul Latif will send to the listeners, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, questions pertaining to all of the narrations that we've studied in the book of fasting, the rulings, the biographies, the the the, the years that the uh, the Sahaba radiyallahu died, and where they died, if we've mentioned it, and uh, the ahkam, the benefits from hadith, the names of the the individuals from the companions radiyallahu anhum mentioned in in in, uh, in in the narrations like Salama and Hiya. Rathia and, and, and other than them that I mentioned uh, will be adding that into the exam next week inshallah ta'ala and likewise some words vocabulary that we may have picked up throughout the lessons so we ask Allah subhanahu ta'ala to make uh, these lessons be beneficial for all of us and that he brings us closer to him subhanahu ta'ala and that we uh implement this and it increases our thirst in seeking knowledge and studying studying the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and that it be on our scales of good deeds and yakun hujjatan lana la alayna and it's a proof for us and not against us on the day that we will meet him tabaraka ta'ala ameen hadha wallahu a'lam wa ahkam wa sallallahu وسلم وبارك على أشرف الخلق نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين